feel free to join your hands together as we worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Jesus, hallelujah. We're worthy to be praised. Amen.
Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, so one more time. Our God, sing our God. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. If our God. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? Let's declare it. What could stand? What could stand against? Sing our God. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Come on, that's the old declare. And if our God is for us, and if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? Then what could stand against? Sing our God. Every voice. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are high. Awesome in power, our God, our God, sing that again, our God, our God is greater, our God is stronger, God, you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, sing that again.
just can't stop worshiping you, God. Well, let's just stay here right now, singing. Our God is greater. This is our God. This is our God. Worshiping in your heavenly language. Look at his majesty. Look at his glory. upon Jesus, look on his wonderful face, I look to you, Lord, marvelous in beauty, Faithful forever you will be. 
Beautiful Savior. Beautiful Savior, you have brought me near. You pulled me from the ashes, you have broken every curse. Blessed Redeemer, you have set this castle free. Lord, Sing it out, faithful. Faithful, you are. Yes, you are. Faithful, forever you will be. Faithful, yes, you are. Yes, you are. All your promises are yes. Come on, every voice. Says a yes and amen. Faithful, yes, you are. Faithful, forever you will be. Faithful, yes, you are. All your promises are yes and amen. Faithful, 
I sing praises.
glory. Just our voice to sing, I sing praises for the last time. Oh, Rabakata Seketeman, 
excellent name, the most excellent name, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, of things in heaven, things on earth, things under the earth, and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, he is Lord, he is Lord. Oh, Father, we bless you, we worship you, we thank you, thank you for your great goodness, Thank you for the sacrifice of Christ. Thank you that you have redeemed us. We are no longer in the kingdom of darkness, but we are in the kingdom of your dear son, the kingdom of light. We have been raised up. You have made us to sit together with him in heavenly places. You've given us joint seating with Christ. You've even given that most excellent name You've given it to us that we might function in the authority and in the power of that name so that no matter what we do, we can do all in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we give you praise. Such excellence, such a great salvation. We worship your majesty. We give you praise. Bless your name forevermore. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's have a seat. Glory to God. Glory to God. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. We are the redeemed of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord God. Hallelujah. Oh, Rabba Kata Seketebe. Lemekatekatebe Rosuku Rebekati Karianda Daya. Jesus says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of hell and of death. Blessed be his name. And he's turned those keys over unto us. He says that, behold, I've given unto you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Behold, I've given you power and authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall be enemies hurt you. He says, behold, I saw the enemy, I saw the devil like lightning falling to the ground. And now has come the kingdom of God. Now has come the power of his Christ. Now has come freedom, deliverance. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We have overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Because we love not our life even unto death. For we were planted in Christ. We were baptized into him. We were baptized into his death. We were buried with him by baptism unto death. We were raised up together with him. We were made to sit together with him so that now we can walk in the newness of life. So that now we can function and we can function from that place where we are seated and it is in him. Oh, Father, we give you thanks. Bless the name of the Lord forevermore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Let's make this confession right now. Halabakoro sokora kasandandaya. Handa sekediandaya. 
Say, I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. But it is Christ that liveth in me. That is my new identity. It is Christ that liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, as we go to the Word today, we thank you for the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that the Holy Spirit, He Himself, He is the teacher. And He opened up the eyes of our understanding so that we can receive, so that we can have the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge. Thank you, Father. Thank you for accomplishing all of your good pleasure. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, today we actually, we're going to receive the offering. And I say that not only for those here, but for those online. Specifically after the message. The message is going to be about giving. And I believe that, um, you know, you've probably already planned to give in whatever manner. But I believe if you do so at the end of this message, your faith is going to be in a better place. You're going to be able to do so with understanding. And you'll be able to release your faith specifically. Amen? Praise the Lord. This message is not designed to get you to give. But faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So just as you receive the word of God, I believe that it's going to be so much easier for you to hook up your faith with your giving today. Amen? Praise the Lord. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. We are the redeemed of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now let's just get straight to the word. Now today's message again, you know, we are in that theme where the Lord is saying to us, now and in this year that we are to come up higher. And as we do, there's, uh, there are open doors that we can walk through. And there are things that he will show us. Things that he will reveal to us. Things and dimensions in the spirit of God that he will bring us into. Amen. And so today, the message is about your advancement strategy. And this is part four. And specifically, as a subtitle, let's... End the tithing controversy. Let us end it now and here today. Now, we would, you know, if we've been in the body of Christ, I think we're all aware that there has been a bit of a controversy on this subject of tithing. And it needs to be clarified because God wants us, you know, even as we praise God with understanding, Everything that we do in the Christian life, it says in all you get and get understanding. So we want to clear this up. Amen? Should you tithe or should you not tithe? That's a question. Is tithing under the law? Or is it not under the law? Is tithing, is it valid in the New Testament, in the New Covenant today? Is tithing before the law? Do you choose to tithe or do you have to tithe? Do you pay tithes or do you give tithe? There's a difference. Are you under a curse if you don't tithe? 
Can God bless you and increase you apart from the tithe? Those are good questions. Amen? So we want to clear this stuff up. We want to clear up a, a few things on, on this subject. So let us deal with some of it right smack up front. Right here, right up front, I'm going to give you, let's, say, let's put it this way. I'm going to give you a summary of the message right here at the beginning. And then we're going to break it down as we go along. And I'm going to give it to you um, from, from a, how should I put this? This is the overview of the message, but I'm going to give it to you from something that I did a, a little while back, not very long ago. And so I'm going to do it from that thing that I did. Amen? And I believe it will bless you because it's a nice, good summary. So you can say it's an extract <laughs> from, from a post and some stuff that I did. Let's clear this subject up. If you don't tithe, you are not under a curse. Now, let, let me back up, let me back up, let me back up. In Malachi chapter 3, verse, 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 um, okay, let, 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 me, let me go read this here. I, I want to kind of like go through this overview without preaching it too much. <laughs> Amen? But nevertheless, um, let me not make the assumption that, that everyone knows the background of some of these things. Malachi chapter 3, reading from verse... Eight. I'm going to read all. Let me read from verse 8 through to verse 11. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me. Even the whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That they may be food in my house. And try me now in this says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will, be, that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Now, coming out of that portion of scripture is where a lot of the controversy on this subject of tithing arises, especially now in the day of the new covenant. So, let's, 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 let me, let's start there. So, if you do not tithe, you are not under a curse. Why? Because Jesus has redeemed you from the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13. If you do not tithe, God does not reject you nor condemn you. Why? Because you are accepted by God and you are justified because of the sacrifice of Christ. If you do not tithe, the devourer is not released against you to destroy the fruit of your ground. Why? As a believer, you have the authority, you have the authority in the name of Jesus, and you have the authority to rebuke the devourer yourself. Jesus said, I've given you authority to tread upon serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by enemies hurt you. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So you have that authority to rebuke the devourer yourself. Now, 
the reason this tithing controversy exists to start with is because of how it has been taught and unfortunately because of some of the manipulation and the lack of integrity that is sometimes associated with some ministers, not all, in their handling of the tithe. But basically, it, 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 the reason for this controversy is because of the way it has been taught. So let's get some understanding. I'm echoing, am I? Uh, let's get some understanding about the tithe. Generosity, generosity from a pure heart, with a pure heart, is the master key that God has given to the church and to the believer to prosper God's way. Proverbs 11 verse 25 says, The liberal soul, the generous soul, shall be made fat. Tithing is a practical way by which you are able to give to the poor, by which you are able to support the work of the Lord, support the work of the ministry, to support the kingdom of God and their programs. The scripture says, Bring all the tithes in my storehouse. Why? That there might be meat in my house. It says that if you, if you favor God's righteous cause, Psalms 35 verse 27, let them shout for joy and be glad. It's favoring God's my right, righteous cause when you tithe. You're supporting the work of the Lord. and you, It's a means by, by supporting and, and giving to the kingdom of God and to, and to the poor and so on. But does the believer have to tithe? Do you have to tithe? No, you choose to tithe. You choose to tithe. Now, Jesus said in Matthew chapter uh, 23, verse 23. Uh, let me flip over there for a moment. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23. Jesus said, the same day the sad, the sad, no, sorry, that's 22. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the other undone. I'm looking for something here. Okay. Sorry, this kind of... Not myself. Okay, let it go. All right, anyway. So Jesus said, in Matthew 23, verse 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, faith. 
in, in, in Luke chapter 11, verse, verse 42, he's going to add love. These things you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. In other words, Jesus said you should tithe. But that is, but you should tithe, but also the more important things as well. You should do the more important things as well. In order, we're talking about love and, and mercy and righteousness and, and faith. So now, the question is, do I listen to what Jesus said? Or do I listen to what I think and what I feel? Or do I listen to, to, um, to some preacher that says whatever it is against tithing? No, I ought to listen to Jesus. Jesus said you ought to tithe, but it is not the most important thing. In other words, there are moral issues that are, that are more important. But he said you ought to do both. He said, do not neglect tithing. Is that what he's saying? So, are you and I, and then he says, you know, but operate in mercy, operate in love, operate in justice. Should we neglect mercy? Should we neglect being right? Should we neglect justice? Should we neglect faith? Should we neglect loving God? No. Therefore, what is he saying? But he's, in the same breath, he's saying, do not neglect Tithing. All right. But as a believer, it is your choice. You don't have to tithe. You don't have to walk in love. You don't have to do righteousness. You don't have to operate in faith. You don't have to be merciful. You don't have to tithe. You choose to tithe. You do not have to tithe. You choose to tithe. Amen? Do you have to be kind? No. You choose to be kind. Now, understand this. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. Jesus, Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill it. He has fulfilled the law on your behalf and on my behalf. So the issue of tithing is not about the law. He has already fulfilled it. But the truths, there are truths that are in the Old Testament that still exists. There are truths about mercy. There are truths about love. There are truths. There are principles that remain valid. Is love still valid? Is mercy still valid? Is justice still valid? Of course. So tithing for the believer is not a law, but it is a principle of the kingdom of God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 verse 19, he says, I've given unto you the keys of the kingdom of God. What is he saying? I've given unto you principles, truths that can that operate the kingdom of God. And when you and by and by you choosing to operate these, these principles, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosened in heaven. In other words, then it's up to you. Your actions, you operating in these principles. What you do, you are to choose. It's up to you whether you want to bind. It's up to you whether you want to loosen. Are you with me? So he said in Matthew chapter 16 verse 19, and you could go back and read it. He says, I've given unto you the keys of the kingdom of God. Whatever you do, it's up to you. It's your choice. The issue of tithing is a principle of the kingdom of God that is underneath the principle of generosity. 
What do you mean generosity? Luke 6 verse 38 says, Give and what? It shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. It's under the, the, the principle of, of, of generosity. It is under the principle of sowing and reaping. Genesis 8 verse 22 says, As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will not cease. But it's up to you. Say, it's up to me. Now, you do not tithe with the main reason being that you might prosper. But you do prosper when you tithe correctly. In other words, prosperity should not be your motive. In anything, quite frankly. In everything you do as a believer, the love of God ought to be your motive. Seek first the kingdom of God. Why am I teaching this word here today? Am I teaching, if I'm teaching this word so, that, um, so as to impress someone that's wrong, I should be teaching this word because I love God and God wants his people to get a hold of the truth. Amen? If you go to church, it should not be because you want to impress somebody or just because you're trying to find something to do. No, you should be going to church because you love God. Everything you do, should the, the motive behind it all should be the love of God. Now, you can examine a lot of things you do, and you may find that there are things that you do, and it's not because of the love of God, in which case then you need to make an adjustment. However, as much as Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, let that be your pursuit. Let, let the kingdom of God, let righteousness be your pursuit. Let functioning in oneness with him be your pursuit. He said, there are things that you don't even have to worry about. What you shall eat, or what you shall drink, or what you shall wear, but it's going to be added on to you. Now, if you believe God, then you ought to have an expectation that as you pursue the kingdom of God and righteousness, all these other things shall be added. Well, similarly, because you understand the word of God... And you, then you understand that even though my pursuit is not prosperity, it's loving God, it's obeying God, it's honoring God, it's seeing the kingdom of God expanded as much as that is my motive. And that is, then I, but I do understand the word of God that is given back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. I do understand that there's an open heaven. I do understand that God will prosper me. I do understand the principles of the kingdom of God that this is part of how he has given us the power to get wealth. Are you with me? Therefore, I have that expectation of prosperity. Now, it's important to, to make sure that you, that you make these, you have this kind of understanding. So that you can protect your motives. Now when tithing is done correctly, it is a demonstration of what? Of loving God. It's a demonstration that you love God. It's a demonstration that you're honoring the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of thine increases. And what happens as a result? What happens as a result is, it goes on to say, that your barns will burst forth with plenty. Amen? In other words, increase happens. Why? Because that's how the kingdom of God works. That is how the law of generosity, the law of giving works. Honor the Lord, but your giving, your tithing is honoring God. Your tithing is putting God first. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, you can check it out. It says, on the first day of the week, let every man lay aside proportionally, according that God has prospered him. In other words, at the beginning of the week, what does he do? This was Paul writing. 
In other words, you must set aside what it is that he wants to give into the kingdom of God. Tithing, first fruits, whatever the case is. But what is the whole principle? The principle there is putting God first, even in the financial arena. It's giving Jesus lordship. Malachi chapter 1 verse 6 says that if I be your Lord, where is my fear? If I be your master, where is the obedience? Jesus says, don't call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say. In other words, tithing is a demonstration not that I love God. It's a demonstration that he is my Lord. And it is a demonstration that I am putting him first. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And he is Lord in my finances. Now to do that, it requires faith. It requires faith. Why? Because here you are, you may have um, this much finances, but the needs are greater. And you're given a portion of that to the kingdom of God. That means you now have less. How can you do that? And have you, you got it because you've got a promise. You know he's your source. So you are able, so you do that in faith. And so faith is involved. Trusting God is involved. Amen? Hallelujah. Faith, trusting God, loving God. So tithing is an act of faith and is an act of trusting the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do you know that passage? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Proverbs chapter 3. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't let your reasoning get in the way. Fear the Lord. And depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh. Strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. That, passage, that, that trust in the Lord with all your hearts, acknowledging, acknowledging him in all your ways, is directly connected to what? Honoring the Lord with your substance. It's directly connected to the giving. It's directly connected to verse 10. Your barns will burst forth with plenty. So what am I saying? I am saying that this issue of tithing is also on your part. It's an act of faith and trust in God. It is also, it is also um, and it's motivated by what? By the love of God. Faith working by love. It's motivated by the love of God. And because you love God, you love what he loves. Because you love God, you want to do those things that please him. Because you love God, his priorities become your priorities. And if the work of the church, if reaching the lost, if, if, if um, preaching the gospel is a priority to him, then it's a priority to you. It's that simple. So it is a demonstration of the love of God and it is also an act of obedience. But do you have to love God? No. Do you have to obey God? No, you should. Do you have to honor God? No, but you should. Because tithing involves honoring God and obeying God and because it literally involves a separation unto God, it is therefore directly connected to the fear of the Lord. It is directly connected to the fear of the Lord. I, 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 this, I'm a little bit ahead of myself, but nevertheless, let me give you this verse of scripture. Romans chapter, Romans chapter 11 and verse 16. It says, For I say then, 
No, verse 16. If the first fruit is holy, what does that word holy mean? Separated unto God. If the first fruits, if I have a thousand dollars and I take that, 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 that hundred. And by the way, we can find scripture that says the tithe is holy. And if I take that hundred and I give it to the Lord, then that, that if the first fruit is holy, separated unto, unto God, the lump is also holy. That 90% that is left behind is also sanctified and, and separated. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. In other words, then, there is a principle involved in tithing and in first fruits that in your giving, when you do it correctly, that which you don't give becomes consecrated to God and God becomes part of that as well. So that here you are, you have a particular um, a business or a particular income stream. And when you take that portion and you give it to God, then the rest of that income stream has now become God's responsibility and you've just brought him into that financial arrangement. Are you with me? That is very important. I say that to say this. Tithing involves honoring God and tithing is a means by which you are able to develop in the fear of the Lord. In the fear of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 14 verse 23. Deuteronomy chapter 14 verse 23. Let me repeat that statement. The fear of the Lord is about trusting God. It's about obeying God. It's about honoring God. It's about separation to God. It is about consecration. Amen? Now what I'm saying to you is this. That tithing, the process of tithing will teach you to function in the fear of the Lord. It will teach you to trust God. It will teach you to obey God. It will teach you this separation, this purity, this element of holiness. It will teach you that. Now let me ask you a question. Is obeying God important? Is trusting God important? Is honoring God important? Is purity and holiness important? Well, these are elements within the fear of the Lord and tithing teaches you how to develop in that. Now, I didn't make this up. This is what is in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. And you shall eat before the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 14, 23. You shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he, he chooses to make his name abide. The tithe of your grain and of your new wine and of your oil of the firstborn of your herds and your flocks. That you may learn... To fear the Lord your God always. That scripture says that the, the tithing will teach you to fear the Lord. And when you break down what the fear of the Lord is, you will see tithing will teach you to trust God. It will teach you to honor God. It will teach you to put God first. It will teach you to obey God. And, then, and there's some other dimensions to it as well. Amen? All right. So... The fear Lord in your life, tithing will teach you to trust God, obey God, honor God, and give him lordship. If I be your Lord, where is my honor? If I be your master, where is the obedience? Malachi chapter 1 verse 6. Now you might say, but this is Old Testament. We are talking about the fact that it is a principle. It's not about Old Covenant and New Covenant and New Old Testament and New Testament. It is a principle. Amen? Tithing is an act of faith that pleases God. Without faith, it is what? 
impossible to please God. So here, God is giving you this thing called tithing, a simple, easy way that you can easily please God and do it right. So when a man, and what happens when a man ways please the Lord? Right? Proverbs 16 verse 7 says, God will make his enemies to be at peace with him. God will cause him to overcome his enemies. What enemies? The enemies of lack. The enemies of insufficiency. The enemy of poverty. God will cause him to prosper. So, do you have to tithe? No, you don't have to tithe. Should you tithe? Yes. But you, you want to do it with understanding. You want to do it with the love of God. You want to do it with faith. This is why the scripture will say, you do it as you purpose in your heart and you do it cheerfully. You don't do it because somebody's twisting your arm, because somebody's saying that if you don't give, we're going to have to shut down. No, you do because of pressure. No, you give because you love God. You give because you understand. And, and this is where it needs to come from. Praise God. Do you praise God just because it sounds good? No. You praise God with understanding. He is worthy to be praised. He inhabit the praises of his people. Well, the same Bible that says how you need to praise God with understanding also says that when it comes to this issue of tithing, it is also an issue of understanding. Amen? Hallelujah. So, you have so it is about, say it's about understanding. All right. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. So you want to tie with what? Understanding, with faith, with love. Okay. Now, I'm going to, let me say something here just in a few minutes. That, that the Lord just kind of really, really, really just did something with my heart about just, just very recently. The Lord has made it super real to me. And it's, 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 it's kind of like frightening. And at the same time, it's, it's spiritual, it's frightening, it's emotional, it's painful. But I believe the Lord wants me to share it with you. And here's what it is. Only a remnant. A remnant means not everybody. Only a remnant. Unfortunately, a small percentage of believers, Christians is probably a better word in this case, would really hear what the word of God say, believe what the word of God say, obey what the word of God say, do what the word of God say in that particular area, especially when their flesh is resisting, when reasoning is against it. And as a result, they don't get the promises fulfilled. In other words, then, it's only a remnant that actually experience the fulfillment of certain promises. We even read the promises and sometimes we don't quite believe it. Because we don't, we, we don't want to take it literally. So hear me. It says in Matthew chapter 7 verse, and it applies in various areas. Matthew 7 verse 14, Jesus said this. Jesus said, narrow. Narrow is the gate. And difficult is the way which leads to life. Narrow is the gate and it's a difficult way that leads to life. Narrow is this gate that brings you into this life. And, and it's difficult. The process, the pathway is difficult. And there are few, which is the remnant, who find it. What is this life? This life is the life of Christ. This life is eternal life. 
This is what Jesus said when he said about eternal, that uh, I've come that you might have life and that you would have it more abundantly. It is um, this life of Christ, this eternal life, it is the word and the promises of God being fulfilled. Well, according to what Jesus said, there is a narrow gate that leads to this life. It's difficult and only a remnant, a few that actually find it. The verse before, he says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by that way. Now, I know we see that in the context of hell and so on and so forth. But it's, it's not just about hell. It's about this life of Christ. It is about functioning that in this life, this eternal life. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says, to be carnally minded is what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. In other words, this life, it is the, in other words, then few there few they are that will find it. Few they are that will find this life. Because they don't enter through the gate. In other words, few, it's only a remnant that is gonna get a hole, and that's because it's the spiritually minded, it's to the spiritually minded in this life. So there are few that are actually going to be spiritually minded. Proverbs 12, verse 28. In the way, said the way. In the way of righteousness is life. That life is in the way of righteousness. And in its pathway, there is no death. Next week, next week I'm going to be teaching about how you can live in divine health. Be healed, of course, but how to live in divine health. In the pathway of righteousness is that life. And in it, and in that pathway, there is no death. So here again, if there are only going to be a few that will find that life, it means there's a few that are a remnant only that are going to be functioning in this righteousness. In this righteousness. This righteousness, which is oneness with God, which is operating in the authority of Jesus, which is knowing what your rights are, which is being free from condemnation and guilt and shame. But unfortunately, many believers will not function in that oneness. Many believers will not function in the reality of Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that liveth in me. And this life I now live, it's the life of Christ, and I live it by the faith of the Son of God. That's righteousness. Righteousness is that oneness. Righteousness is that authority in the name of Jesus. Well, few of there will be that will actually function in that authority. Function in that freedom from guilt and condemnation. Function in what we sang today. All the promises are yes and amen. For many, that's just intellectual. That just sounds good. But when the circumstances and the reasoning says different, they no longer believe that. In other words, do they really believe that all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. Because as for God, God says, um, God says, the word of God says that um, shall, some, shall somebody's unbelief stop the will of God, stop the word of God. God will remain true. In other words, then God says, look here, my word is settled. I will perform my word. I need you to agree with me. But if you don't agree with me, my word is still so. So it goes on to say in Romans 3 and verse 4, let God be true and every man, including your own opinion, be a lie so that you can be justified when you are judged. In other words, then, if God says all the promise, this particular promise is yes and amen, well, it is so regardless of what your reasoning or anything else say. 
And you see, that is part of what it takes to be spiritually minded. To be spiritually, carnal mindedness is where self is so much in, in place. Reasoning gets into the way. But to be spiritually minded, that is life and peace, is to function in the very life of Christ. To function in the reality of who you are. So narrow is that gate, the fear of the Lord. Here's another one. Proverbs 19 verse 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life. So the fear of the Lord leads to this life. Righteousness in the righteousness in the path of righteousness is this life. So put it all together. Here is the deal. Jesus says, narrow is the gate that leads to this life. And few walk through that gate. What then is this gate? This gate that, the, that only a few, only the remnant walk through. And it, because of walking through that gate, they get the reward of the life. The reward. Say reward. Say reward. Everything is not unmerited favor. Amen? They that come to God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There is no one that will give a cup of water in his name that will not receive what? A reward. Reward is part of the kingdom of God. So, narrow is that gate and it's only a remnant that goes through it and obtains the reward that comes out of the life of Christ, that eternal life. So that way, that gate, that way, that gate, what is that gate? That narrow gate is the way of, spirit, of, of um, being spiritually minded and not carnally minded. Amen? That, that narrow gate is what? It is the fear of the Lord, reverencing God, obeying God, trusting God, living a life separated unto God, His Lordship. What is that way? That way is righteousness. Operating in oneness. Knowing that authority. Functioning in that authority. Functioning in that freedom from condemnation and guilt and shame. Knowing that you're justified by the blood. And functioning accordingly. So when you are in the way of righteousness. Loving God. Obeying God. Honoring God. Yielding to his lordship. Then that's what, what are you actually doing? Is you are actually functioning in the mind of Christ. No self. And, the, and what happens? There is life and there is peace. And that peace is wholeness. That peace includes prosperity. Life and peace and the fulfillment of the promises of God become your experience. So here is the thing. Now this is, so the reality is, many, many that might be hearing this today and that could be listening to this teaching and various teachings here or wherever else. There is only a remnant that will actually get, a whole, get the experience of the fulfillment of it. Why? Because of what we just said. Because they don't go through that narrow gate. Now, I, the reason now, as I see this, this is so grievous that I see my responsibility in communicating this word to those that will get a hold of it and especially to those that are consistent and sincere my responsibility is to believe God and to minister this word in such a way that you would be part of the remnant. That you would be part of the few that gets the fulfillment. Where, what the, where, where, where there shall be a fulfillment of those things that you have desired, that he has spoken concerning you. So it doesn't just become some wonderful sweet prophecy, but it becomes a prophecy that is fulfilled because you mix it with faith. Amen? 
It isn't just the, all of these wonderful, amazing blessings and treasures of the Lord and the, the unsearchable riches of Christ that are in your spirit, but then you don't get it out. The Bible says you draw it out with what? Fear and trembling. My assignment, and I see it, I mean, I, a little while ago I didn't see it this way. I saw it as what it is the Lord has called me to teach. But I realized that, you know something? What I really need to do, I need to do it in such a manner, with such a determination, that those that get a hold of it will become part of that remnant. That means you. Does that make sense? All right. Hallelujah. Now, the thing about it is, all of those things that I talked about, the fear of the Lord, righteousness, um, being spiritually minded, obedience, lordship, all of that is are aspects of the issue of tithing. Now, notice I say tithing, not just the tithe. The tithe is defined 10%. That's the tithe by definition. But tithing, the process, how you handle it. Are you with me? All of these things are part of tithing and doing it correctly. Loving God, obeying God, honoring God, the favor of the Lord, operating in that oneness where it's not you, but it's the life of Christ in you, flowing through you, faith and these other things. So here are three perspectives. Like I said to you, I said to you, one of the reasons why we have this tithing controversy is because of the way it has been taught. There are three perspectives on tithing that, 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 that just clears it all up. Number one, tithing as a principle, not a law. Number two, tithing as an ordinance. And then number three, tithing as a means to learn the fear of the Lord. Okay, so let's talk about tithing as a principle. Proverbs 13 verse 15 says, and get a hold of this scripture. This is such a powerful scripture when you study it out. It says, good, a good understanding gains favor. Favor with God, but also favor with men. Amen? You need men to give into your bosom. That's how this system works. But God causes it. A good understanding gains favor. In other words, when you have a good understanding, it positions you for favor, which includes grace. Do you need grace? The Bible speaks about all manner of grace. Different situations may need a different kind of grace. Understanding positions you. There's a grace of comfort. There's a grace for increase. There's a grace. There's a healing grace. There are all kinds of grace. Now, hey, let me connect it up very quickly. Listen to, listen to Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. My God shall supply what? All of what? Some of your needs? Just the financial one? Just the healing one? No, all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, God is able to cause what? All manner of grace to abound towards you. So Proverbs 13 verse 15 says, a good understanding gains favor. Now, that means this. When you have a grasp on a comprehension of the patterns, of the principles, of how it works, of the mind of God. Not what you think, but what God thinks. Let me, share, let me, let me inject a scripture here. Proverbs 9, 
9 verse 10. Get a hold of this. You think you may think that somebody that has a PhD has great understanding. Not necessarily. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. There may be a theologian that can tell you this and that about God. And give you knowledge about God. But knowledge about God is not necessarily the knowledge of God. The knowledge of the Holy One, that is understanding. In other words then, when you can see it the way God sees it, that's when you have understanding. Are you with me? Does that make sense? So, when you have understanding, when you can see things the way God sees it, when you can have that comprehension, when you understand the patterns, and when you see, and that's, that, that there comes right back down to the principles. When you got a hold of the principles and the patterns, then guess what? The results are predictable. You can have predictable outcome when you know this is how the program works. Does that make sense? It becomes easier to be in faith. That is why it was saying all you're getting... Get understanding. On this tithing issue, get understanding. Come out of the confusion. Come out of the controversy. Get understanding. Tithing is an ordained principle of God that produces increase. That's it. Along with the first fruits and the other kinds of giving and alms and so on, it is designed by God to produce increase. It honors God. It does all those things, but it produces increase. Which ought not to be a surprise that if you're going to give and you do it from your heart as unto the Lord. The scripture says in Colossians 3 verse 23 whatever you do, do it from your heart as unto the Lord knowing that from the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. When you do it as unto the Lord in the fear of God. So, think about it. So you are, do, you are giving, you're operating and tithing and you're doing it because you love God. You're obeying God. You're honoring God. It's the fear of the Lord. But in, the, in that you are doing that, it is only natural that that would lead to increase. Why? Because God says in Isaiah 4 to 5 verse 19, I didn't ask you or tell you to serve me in vain. In other words, what is he saying? God says, I didn't ask you to do this or to do that and give a cup of water or to tithe or whatever and to seek me and to pursue me and to search. I didn't ask you to do that without an expectation of reward. Reward comes with obeying God. Reward comes with doing what, he, with doing what the word of God says. That's why he says that if you are a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in all of his deeds. I will cause all grace to abound towards you. Why? I will cause, it says, it says um, it, it, when it talks about our giving, what happens? He will cause all grace to abound towards you, that you would have all sufficiency. In other words, producing, the, the increase that comes is part of what God has ordained. He has ordained that tithing is a principle by which that will produce increase. Amen? There is reward in giving and obeying God. Tithing does open the windows of heaven over your life. That's what Malachi 3.10 says. 
I will open to you the windows of heaven. But here's something about the word of God. The word of God is not going to work for you because you know what it says. You ought to know what it says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But the word of God will work for you when you mix it with faith. Hebrews 4 verse 2 says, The word, the gospel, the promise, it did not profit them. Which means they didn't get the benefit of it. Why? Because it was not mixed with faith. So if the scripture says that he's going to open up the windows, you've got to mix that with faith. You've got to believe that. I don't know if any of you, Pastor Dad, came across some stuff that has to do with Psalms 901. There's some stuff in Psalms 91 that will keep you in such a divine protection of God so that even if a thousand fall over there and ten thousand on the other side is not going to touch you. But that will not work for you if you don't believe it. If you don't, and you're not going to believe it just because you read it one time. Amen? Hallelujah. So it is that it's increased. This is being preached so as to build your faith that you can expect the windows of heaven. You can expect God to bless you. Tithing produces increase also because it is connected to the fear of the Lord. Psalms 115. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Psalms 115. Reading from verse 13. He will bless you. And the word bless means empower to prosper. Is that right? He will bless those who fear the Lord. Small and great. Doesn't matter who. He will bless those who fear the Lord. Empower them to prosper. May the Lord God give you increase more and more. You and your children. May you be blessed. Empowered to prosper by the spirit of the Lord. Who made the heaven and the earth. Glory to God. Tithing also involves obedience. I'm repeating myself. But that's good. Because it's the same thing. It is the same thread. Tithing involves obeying God, trusting in God, separation unto God. You don't have to tithe. But would you say it's wise for you to choose to tithe? To choose to tithe. Secondly, like I said, there's, there's three things. There's three um, perspectives. One of them is the fact that it's a principle. And that's what you were just talking about. The second one is the fact that it's an ordinance. Tithing is an, ordi an, an ordinance very much like communion. Say communion. And by the way, again, next week, we're going to talk about healing, but we're going to have communion next week. Amen? So you can make sure you have your elements prepared. We're going to have communion next week. Glory to God. But it's, it, the tithing is an ordinance like communion. Now, you notice I'm dropping the whole issue about law, before law, after law, and all of that stuff. Amen? Genesis chapter 14. Now, by the way, Genesis chapter 14 is before the law. Just incidentally. Right? Genesis chapter 14, you could come back and read the whole story. But Abraham had just come back from the battle and he met Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a type of Jesus. And it says in verse 18, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. What does that sound like? Does that sound like communion? Brought bread and wine and he was the priest of the Most High. Just like Jesus is the high priest today. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God, most high possessor of heaven and earth. In other words, here is Melchizedek functioning in the office of high priest. And he comes with bread and wine. He comes with communion. And he ministers it to Abraham. The scripture is going to say that in, in, in um, Hebrews chapter 7 verse 8. 
that here men receive tithes, but there he, Jesus, as our high priest, he receives it and it's evidence that he liveth. So here, and the same way, uh, and so um, Abraham and, and so Melchizedek ministers communion <laughs> to Abraham. There's sometimes you should sit down and have communion and let Jesus minister communion to you. Because remember, he says, I'm not going to have this, I'm not going to drink this with you again until in the what? Until in the new kingdom. Well, the kingdom is here. So the kingdom is here. Every time you sit at a communion table, Jesus is there. Amen? And you need to do it with that understanding. Don't be like Judas, sitting at a communion table and have an opportunity to fellowship with the master and get things right and walk away and, and, and you know what I mean? That's a, that's, another, that's a fear of the Lord message right there. <laughs> but anyway, let's get back over here. So, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High. Communion is an ordinance. Tithing can and should be taught as an, or, as an ordinance as well. Blessed be Abraham of, of the Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God, Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abraham, give him a tithe of all. In the same context. And then there were some other things that happened that are very relevant. Now, Psalms 25, Psalms 25 and verse. You see, the thing is, it will go on, Abraham will also go on to say, I've lifted up my hand to the most high God. That nobody's going to say he make me rich. I'm going to prosper. I'm going to be made rich. But God is going to be one that is going to get the credit. And then immediately after that, in Genesis 15, verse 1, God showed up and God says, I am El Shaddai. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. In other words, this tithing that Abraham did with the declarations that he made caused God to show up on the scene and say, I am your covenant-keeping father. I am possessor of the heaven and the earth. And you now, in covenant with me, you are the possessor of the heaven and the earth. That tithing activated the very covenant that Abraham had. And we have got a better covenant with better promises. And it says that we are redeemed from the curse of the law, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. The promise of the spirit through faith. Hallelujah. Now look at Psalms 25. You say, but I keep quoting from the Old Testament. The Old Testament have more details than the New Testament. Old Testament doesn't mean Old Covenant. But there are principles that are valid. Truths, virtues that are valid. Psalms 25, reading from verse 12. Who is the man that fears the Lord? He, God, will teach in the way. Remember the way? The way of righteousness. That leads to life. The spiritual mindedness. That way. He will teach him in the way that he chooses. I'm reminded of Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 17. How that he said he will teach you to profit. And lead you in the way in which you should go. He himself shall dwell in prosperity. And his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. In other words what? What we are saying is this. Tithing is an ordinance, just like communion. And, <laughs> whoops. Anyway, tithing is, order, is, is, is an ordinance very much like communion. And we ought to see that perspective. So, again, it's the same thing. Do you, do you have to have communion? 
No, you don't have to have communion. Is it wise to choose to have communion? Yes. Do you have to tithe? No. Should you choose to tithe? Yes. Tithing will teach you the fear of the Lord. Remember, remember Isaiah, I mean Deuteronomy 14 verse 23, where God says tithe and that will teach you the fear of the Lord. In Genesis 22 verse 12, when Abraham offered up his son Isaac, what did he say? The angel says, okay, don't kill the boy. Now God knows that you what? Fear him. And Abraham demonstrated his, his faith, his trust in God, his honoring God, just by obeying, just by doing that. And it was an act that God called the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is obeying God. Isaiah 1 verse 19 says, if you be willing and obedient, what will happen? You'll eat the good of the land. Tithing is obeying God. Do you have to tithe? Do you have to obey God? No. But you can choose. It's wise to choose to obey God. Well, it's the same thing. You don't have to tithe, but you can choose to. Psalms 31 verse 19 speaks about, about, well, I'm right close by here. Psalms 31 verse 19. Oh, how great is the goodness of God that God has laid up for who? For them that fear him. For them that fear him. And, and for them that trust in him. For them that fear him, which you have prepared for those who trust in you. Psalms 115 verse 11 says the same thing about for those that trust the Lord. In other words then, tithing is about trusting the Lord. Is it right to trust the Lord? Sure it is. Is it wise? Yes. Do you have to? No. Should you choose to? Yes. Amen. The point is, let's end this, this controversy over tithing. You make up your own mind based on the word of God and based on the Holy Ghost that is your teacher that bears witness. The fear of the Lord is lordship. Malachi 1 verse 6. If I be your Lord, where is my fear? Tithing is declaring that he is Lord. Not only is he Lord, okay, not that he's Lord over me, he's Lord over my finances. Where your man treasures, there will his heart be also. It is a declaration of lordship. Now let me look, put it this way. When you give, when you operate in tithing, and you are submitting your life, you are submitting your finances to him. Well, let's not use the word submit since that's a little bit, sometimes that people don't like the word submit. How about yield? Uh, could, you, uh, could you take yield? <laughs> so, tithing is declaring God's lordship. It's yielding to him. Is it right to yield to him? Of course. Amen? It's loving God. Psalms 31.19 calls it, Do have great goodness he's laid up for them that love him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, For them that love him. Calls it loving God. Tithing is loving God. So you choose to. Now, I'm going to wrap this up right here. James chapter 2. This is the conclusion of the whole thing. I mean, I've said the same thing in so many different ways. <laughs> that um, I don't think you can miss it. <laughs> Amen? As, as, as a particular preacher would say, not me, a particular preacher would say, you need help to miss it. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> Amen. James chapter 2. Reading from verse 17. Now you can read this in some other versions, but I want you to capture this here. Thus also, faith by itself Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Tithing 
is an act of faith. Tithing is a demonstration of your faith, of your trust in God, of loving God, of the fear of the Lord. It's a demonstration that you're honoring God. It is an act of faith. That is so important. All right. So it says, but faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, the corresponding actions, it's dead. It's powerless. Someone will say, you've got faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe that and they tremble. But do you not, do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Galatians 3 verse 5 says, the Holy Ghost performs miracles and there's a lot of other things he performs but how does he do it does he do it based on the works of the law no he does it by the hearing of faith who needs to hear faith he needs to hear faith the holy spirit jesus saw when he led the man through the roof and jesus saw their faith faith without works is dead tithing is the corresponding action to your faith was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, his faith was made perfect. His faith came to a full maturity and expression by his corresponding actions. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. A man is justified by works. In other words, okay, I believe this. I believe this. I say this. I say that. But faith says, let me show you. God says, okay, show me. Show me. Show me, your, show me I'm your Lord. Demonstrate to me that you love me. Demonstrate to me that you're going to honor me. Show me. Likewise was, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Amen? So what is the point? Tithing is a demonstration of your faith, of your trust in God, of loving God, of the fear of the Lord, of honoring God, of his lordship. Now, are those things right? Are those things passed away? Are they passed away? No. That's why Jesus says, you ought to tithe. Don't neglect it, but do this as well. Do this as well. Do the faith. Do the righteousness. Do the mercy. Do the loving God. And the truth of the matter is, all those other things that Jesus says you ought to do as well, those are the very principles that govern tithe. In other words, Jesus could have said, you tithe, but you forget these other things. And Jesus could have said, let love govern your tithing. Let faith govern your tithing. Let righteousness, doing what is right, govern your tithing. Let the love of, uh, he could have put it that way. But he says, don't leave these undone. In other words, do them both. Well, let's hook them up together. Does that make sense? Amen. And it is also an acknowledgement of God as your source. It's an acknowledgement that God is my source. 
and it is an invitation. You are inviting God to be involved in your life and in your financial affairs. I mean, think about that. It's by invitation. He's standing at the door and I'm saying, come on in, come. Get involved in my financial affairs. And that's why Romans 6, 11 verse 16 says, if the first fruit is holy and separated unto God, all the rest of it is separated unto God. When you get God involved through that tithing and you establish that covenant, God becomes involved in the other affairs of your life. In all the rest of your finances. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Amen? All right. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. Now, I did say at the beginning that at the end of this, I'm going to um, give you an opportunity to give. And, and you know, to give whatever, whether you're tithing, first fruit. But I'm going to give you the opportunity to give. And the reason why is because I believe that the truth that you have heard here today builds your faith. And so that you can give with understanding. Whatever level you choose to do, you can do so with understanding. So let your giving be an expression to the Lord that you love him. Let it be an expression to the Lord that he is your Lord. Let it be an invitation for him to be involved in the financial affairs of your life. And every area of your life. Let it represent. Let it, let it be a declaration. Lord, I reverence you. I want to walk in obedience before you. I want to come up higher. I want to come up higher in this arena. Amen? Now I believe God, just like Jesus saw, that widow, that little that lady that put in her two mites, and Jesus called his disciples and says, do you see what that lady just did? Right? And he, and, and he talked about it. Jesus sees what you do. God sees what you do. God sees your heart. So don't let it, don't just give and just let it go by itself. Let your heart go with it. Let your faith go with it. Let your obedience, let the Lordship, let the fear of the Lord, let these things be incorporated in your giving. Now, but also as you give in the future, let this become part of your life. Become functional in this arena. And watch the doorway, watch a doorway open up in your life for God to begin to, to show you things and bring increase in supernatural ways. Amen, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, the ways in which you can give, that information is on the screen. There's a number of ways you can give. You can give by text. Um, you can give by e-transfer and a few other ways. It's on the screen. Choose which one is, works for you and go ahead and obey God. And do it out of your heart. Do it cheerfully. Don't do it under pressure. Do it cheerfully. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray today that beyond the sowing of seed and beyond what those are giving, I pray today that the comprehension, that the understanding on this issue of tithing and giving and generosity, I pray that this truth would be just engrafted into the hearts and minds of your children. I pray that they would be part of the remnant. They're going to be part of that group that not only hear what the word of God say, but they do what the word of God say, and then they remain steadfast, unmovable, so that they can have the harvest. For Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. Father, I pray in Jesus' mighty name that this truth concerning giving and tithing will become part of their lives. Let there be a shift in their relationship with you and in their relationship with money this day 
In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for doing it. Now, Lord, may the spirit of prosperity and increase come upon them. May there be acceleration in their financial affairs and in their harvest. In the name of Jesus. Speed. Acceleration. In some cases, restoration. In the name of Jesus. Let there be amplification. Jesus, you are the Lord of the harvest. Father God, you give increase. Grant it in the name of Jesus. May every need be met according to your riches. In glory by Christ Jesus. And may that anointing to prosper and to increase. That power to get wealth, may it be activated this moment in the name of Jesus, in the life of my brother, in the life of my sister. Now, if there's someone online today and you've, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, we're talking not just about him being Lord of your finances, but the Lord of your life. If you've never made that decision, you can do it right now. It's not complicated. It is really very simple. It's about believing right, believing the right thing and acting on it. You simply need to believe that God sent Jesus to die on the cross, to shed his blood for your sins. And that because he did that, all your sins are forgiven once you receive him. And that you must also believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. The fact that God raised Jesus from the dead means that God accepted his blood and sacrifice as full payment for your sins and everything wrong you've ever done in your life. So that as you receive Jesus, your sins are forgiven and God sees you as if you never did anything wrong. You become justified. And the moment you decide, I believe Jesus is raised up from the dead and I'll make him the Savior and the Lord of my life, that instant something supernatural will happen on the inside of you and you'll become a new creation and God himself is going to come and live on the inside of you. What makes a Christian different to any other, Christianity different to anything else that is called religion is the fact that God lives on the inside of you. You can have that experience and you could become part of the kingdom of God and you could have Jesus the Lord of your life And it can happen right now. Just say this with me. Say, Father in heaven, I do believe that Jesus died for my sins. That he shed his blood for me. I believe he's raised up from the dead. And I receive him into my heart. I receive him into my life. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. And I invite you to take over my life. Now the Bible says. That to everyone that received Jesus. God gives them the power. To become the sons of God. Everyone that believe. And confess. That Jesus died. And he was raised up from the dead. And makes them savior and lord of their life. They are saved. That very instant. So may God bless you. And may you find a good church. Somewhere in your neighborhood. One that believes the word of God and preaches the word of God. And get in there, get involved, and find out what has just taken place. Amen? You can also connect with us. We would like to know that you accepted Jesus and that we might rejoice in it with you and connect you up with some resources that will help you. Amen? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah.
Well, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. You are the redeemed of the Lord and you are blessed. Amen. Stay strong, stay blessed until we meet again next week. Amen. Praise the Lord. Next week, healing and divine health and communion. Amen.